In this episode of Boss Files, from Wall Street power broker to entrepreneur, I want you to meet Sally Krawcheck. She is one of the highest ranking women on Wall Street ever. She was previously the CEO of Smith Barney, the CEO of Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, and the Chief Financial Officer of Citigroup. Now she is the founder of Elvest, a digital investment platform focused solely on women. She is also out with a brand new book, Own It, The Power of Women at Work. The title is Own It. Right. What's behind those words? Well, I think many layers are behind the words. You know, what I'm hearing from women, particularly in the post-election world, is, hey, what we were doing before to advance women in business, it actually stalled out some time ago. So what can we do differently today? Not wait for the guys to get it, right? Not wait to be empowered, which means to be given power. A word you hate. We'll a talk word about that in a I moment. Hate. But what can we own? What can we do to move it forward? And so there's also a sense of one of the things we can do to move things forward is professional women can start businesses to a greater degree than we ever could. So we can also literally own it. You call this the fourth wave of feminism. Yeah. Yeah. What is that wave? I say that money can be the fourth wave of feminism. So. On the one hand, we control a tremendous amount of assets, $5 trillion of investable assets, 80% of consumer spending, or half the workforce. On an individual basis, however, we don't have as much money as the guys do. We retire with two-thirds of their money, even though we live longer. And I would put forth that until we are financially equal with men, we are not equal with men. And so part of my work has been identifying the gender money gaps. We've all heard about the gender pay gap. But there's a gender investing gap that costs your viewers and listeners hundreds of thousands, some millions of dollars over the course of their lives. Uh, Let's back into your career a little bit. We need to give people a sense of the history of where you came from and how you rose up. Um, You rose to be the most powerful woman on Wall Street, no question. You were CFO of Citigroup during the middle of it all, of the crisis. No, before. Before, but then... (laughs) But, but in the lead up to what created the crisis, yes. right? So you were, you were the CFO of Citigroup and you got fired. Yes. And today you say you got fired because you were a woman. I that know. is a provocative statement. Provocative and shocking. And if you'd asked me at the time, I would have said, Poppy, this was a boardroom brawl. I mean, it had nothing to do with the fact I was a woman. So to back up, I was running Smith Barney at Citigroup during the crisis. We had sold products to clients that were supposed to be low risk that ended up being high risk, that were supposed to go down a little bit and ended up going down everything. I went to my new boss and said, we got a problem, let's partially reimburse our clients. He said no, it went back and forth and back and forth. It went to the board, we did it. I, and I was later fired, but not, not very much later. Um, I was the only one, to the best of my knowledge, on Wall Street to do it. And as time has passed, I've said, you know what, was it a coincidence that I was the only senior woman at the company one of the only senior women in the whole industry, and I was the only one to return client money. Was there something about my difference, my femaleness, that led to that? And in the book, I go through research that shows we women tend to be more relationship-focused than men. I was thinking about those clients. Longer-term focused than men. I was thinking about the long-term health of the business and more risk-aware than men. Guys bring great qualities. We love men. I like to say I've been married to a couple of them. We love them. But there's a reason that, diver- that diverse companies outperform uh, Every companies. study shows that. On that point, Sally, I'm just interested in your perspective. And look, um, hindsight is 2020. Do you think the crisis would have been, the financial crisis, to the magnitude that it was 
if women were running the big banks? I would say it a little bit differently. If we'd had diverse teams running the big banks, and there is no doubt in my mind, on the one hand, again, love guys, but there's research about homogenous groups mispricing risk. They will, they will just, if it were you and me, we trust each other too much. We look alike, we sound alike, we have the same background. Totally trust you. So the mispricing is on the order of 55 or 60% about what the markets went down in the crisis. On the other side, there's research that shows that diverse teams, and in particular gender diverse teams, deliver results that are higher returns with lower risk. You found out that you were fired, basically watching television. Indeed. Unreal. Yeah, that was, that was a, a moment. How did that happen? <laughs> I, I turned around in my seat. I was sitting and I turned around in my seat and, and I thought, oh look, there's a woman on TV who looks a little bit like, <gasps> it's So like me. CNBC and Bloomberg flashing this breaking news. That is correct. How did you use that? to your advantage? Because fast forward to today, not only are you the author of this new book, you run uh, a significant company, Elvest. It is, is it a digital uh, investment platform, but it's for us. It's, it's focused women. on women. How did those pains yes. get you here? Well, first of all, you, you grow some thick skin after a while. And you also realize, happily as a professional woman, how, how much opportunity we've had and how fortunate we are. So that sort of underlies it. But what you would notice that Wall Street, the investing industry, very male. Financial advisors, 86% male, right? Industry symbol, a bull, phallic symbol. <laughs> Not a lot of women are saying, love that symbol, speaks to me. I just, when I look at it, I just feel something great. Women do not invest to the same extent men do. Are these two things unrelated? They, they are not. And so I've built Elevest, a digital investment platform for women, some people look at this and say, oh, that's, that's sexist. Uh-uh, not at all, quite the opposite. Because we do things on it, like in putting together the financial and investing plans, recognizing that we women live longer than men. Super important for retirement. That our salaries tend to peak sooner than men. That we take more career breaks than men do. All of these things are important to recognize because what we know now, the gender investing gap, is driven by the fact that what's out there to date hasn't fit exactly right for women. And we are the one at Elevest that's really built specifically for women. When you look back now, sitting in the seat you're in, are you happy you got fired? I mean, you might still be at City. Oh, and I, you know, there was a lot to love about a big office and there was a jet, there was a plane. I mean, <laughs> these were wonderful things. And more, and importantly, my friends were there. I, but Elevest may never have happened. Absolutely. and. The way I look at it is I don't actually think karma has a lot of time for me, but you know, had I not been fired, I never would have left. I had 35, 40,000 people working for me. You couldn't have dragged me out of there. And so it did feel like somebody or something took a hammer to my head yeah. and said, there's something else for you. And then when I became aware of this gender investing gap, yeah. by the way, I took it to a couple of CEOs of big banks and they're like, and, I said, and you know, they, we have a lot of money, but not as invested as the guys do. 90% of us manage our money on our own at some point in our lives. And one of them said to me, but don't their husbands manage their money for them? And I said, I just said 90%. Yeah. And I thought, I got to do it. You got to do is, it. This is why I was put on the side. So in doing it, obviously, you're diving right into this fourth wave of feminism. But you recently wrote that you hate the word empower yes. and empowerment. Yes. Why? Well, I haven't liked it for forever. And I always thought it was because it was overused. 
And I thought it was like the word authentic, right? Which, you know, people <laughs> mean well, but you're like, everybody's saying it, stop saying it. And then I happened to look it up in the dictionary and it means to be given power, hmm. to be given power, which is, we don't need. And by the way, is something that some, you know, well, we got to get the guys involved. We got to get the guys involved in, in feminism. And, and it works to a degree, but we've stalled out in business. Our progress has stalled out. And so the point I wanted to make is we don't need to be empowered. As mentioned, we control $5 trillion of investable assets. We're 80% of consumer spending. We direct it. We're more than half the workforce. And yet with all that power, so much of the advice to us as women at work is to act like men. <laughs> right? Like yeah. what? What? We bring such great qualities. The power of diversity is diversity, not bringing in a bunch of women and telling them to act like a bunch of guys. When it comes to money, yes. that is at the center of what you call this fourth wave of feminism, men, you say, put making money as their number one goal in business. That's right. Women put it at number four. four. Right. So other things we bring as women to work is a desire for meaning and purpose. And I saw this in my career. I was getting some job offers to work at hedge funds. And I said, what? I mean, thank you, but hmm, leaves me cold. The idea of identifying this gender investing gap, which is hurting women and their families, and then working to close that, like I'm all night and day, all night and day. And a lot of women are like that. One of the, the sort of remedies you talk about is don't just think you have to work for the corporation or the man, if yes. you will start your own company. Right. But I mean, Sally, as we sit here, both, both very privileged, you talk about corporate jet at City. Uh, most of America doesn't live like that. They don't have anything like this. What do you say to those women who also are fighting for their deserved yeah. uh, you know, value and pay? What can they do? What are the incremental steps yeah. they can so, take? So back up for a second, because I think one thing we tend to do with books for women is we try to make them for all women. Yeah. And of course, I come as a professional woman sharing my experiences. Yep. I don't think guys, I don't think we do it for guys as much. Well, what about the other guy, right? Yeah. What I would say is that when professional women do well, that there's less gender, there's less of a gender pay gap within the companies at which they work. And so there is an impact for other women. What also is going on today, which is fascinating across the spectrum of women, is the infrastructure is growing up such that we can have more non-traditional careers, that we can work as part-time consultants, right? That we can work remotely, that we can work from where we are, um, such that there are more opportunities for women who are out of the workforce to, you know, for example, I, my, I've got an assistant, a virtual assistant. She's not in, anywhere close to New York. I've seen her a couple of times, but it wasn't a work relationship that was available even a few years ago. Yeah. So look for those other opportunities in the digital economy that let you work from home, et cetera. Well, if, if you can. If you can. If you can, take a coding class, right? A way to close my the My number one message to my daughter when she gets a little bit older, yeah. learn to code. Oh, I forced my kids. In, my kids are in college. They're older than yours. Yeah. I said I get to choose one class every semester <laughs> because good. I'm paying for I'm it. I'm paying it's for really your smart, college. Right? That's brilliant. But if you actually look to close these gender gaps, yeah go to a place where resources are scarce. We women love to learn, we love to take class. There are all kinds of online classes. Some are free, some cost a bit. But if you can learn to do that, you can do that from home. Likeability, let's yes. talk about that because this confounds me. Likeability and success are positively correlated in men yep. and negatively correlated for us women. Yes. What? 
What? That's terrible, right? But you think about the CEO and gosh, he seems like a great guy and I'd love to have a drink with him. But every senior woman you think of, ooh, you know, she must have been a real, you know what, to make it to the top. There's actually, it gets even worse because there's research that's not in the book that says that when women are seen to be looking for power or attention, the emotion it evokes in us is disgust and moral outrage. That's for men and women. Think Hillary Clinton. When Hillary Clinton was in power, when she was a senator here in New York, the Secretary of State, her approval ratings were pretty good. She runs for office, boom. Mm. And so we've, we've seen that, that women sort of get hit in this very double or triple or quadruple-edged sword that as you become more successful, it becomes harder. We just have to be aware of it. The F word. Failure. It's not. Profanity. <laughs> it's failure. And you've said that women need to get over it. Yes. What was your biggest failure? Oh, you know, that getting fired thing was a pretty big deal. So how'd you get over it? <laughs> well, so first I had a national day of uh, pity party for Sally. And then I said, I've got something I've got to learn from this. Um, this is a big lesson. And so I actually called the members of the board and asked each of them, thanked Why? each of them for the opportunity and asked them how I could have done better. Wow. And, par and part of the reason for that is I, again, recognize how fortunate as a professional woman in this day and age I've been. And so it wasn't, you know, the world is coming to an end. Happily, we had food on the table. Of course. Right? We had a home to live in. And so, okay, this is a learning opportunity for me, and I'm going to move on. But women and girls tend to take failure harder than boys and men. Men blame outside factors. We blame ourselves. What's wrong with me? Failure is going to happen more and more for professionals. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is the business world is changing so quickly. I mean, you see it in media, right? I see it in financial services, that what, will, what worked well for you at the age of 22 when you started, you ain't going to make it to 65 right. at that company. And so we're all going to fail more, even if we're just standing still. Even if we say, I'm going to play it safe, the world is changing so much around us. One way that we can all help each other is something that was written about recently in the Washington Post, and they wrote about the women of the Obama White House mm -hmm. and how they weren't being, many of them felt heard at the table, so to speak. And they spoke up for one another right. and reiterated, repeated the other woman's argument, right. and it worked. Right. Is that something that more professional women should be doing? I, all these things, all these things. And by the way, these are what I call the courageous conversations of how we can note gender issues when they arise, have a conversation, not an emotional conversation, but conversation about them and help each other. So reiterating what other women say to amplify it is one. Mm -hmm. Advocating for other women. Historically, if women have advocated for women, they've been dismissed. But having the courageous conversation that, that says, I'm going to recommend Poppy for this job. Mm -hmm. Y'all have probably seen the research that says that you're going to dismiss me because we're both women. Let me, and that takes it, the research shows that takes it off the table. And then <laughs> say I'll say, it. but here's why she's great. By noting it, either people, well-meaning people will say, oh, huh, interesting. Not so well-meaning people will be like, oh, she called me out. Right. So I better, <laughs> I better be careful. But that range of things, and the, and the other issue to be, to be mindful of is that we tend to give women a very narrow emotional range in which to operate at work. You know, while we've been telling them to act like men, you know, be more confident, if we go too far, we get hit, hmm. right? And so 
you know, my, my commitment to myself this year is I'm going to advocate for women I don't even like. <laughs> I'm going to advocate for the pushy woman and the one who's, I don't think it's her time yet, and I don't like what she is wearing. Too way too, right? You know, I'm advocating for her too because I think if we can get some obnoxious women into <laughs> senior roles, go. that's good too. One of the things that we all deal with, um, I don't care how successful you are, uh, as women is this so-called time poverty or second shift. Even if you have a partner in your life who does 50% right. like my husband does, there is just more that I feel I have to do at home, that I do at home. I feel, Sally, like I'm constantly running, ordering yes. groceries on yes. the plane, you know, do, just yes. constant. How do we get past that as a society where we aren't drained almost twice as much? Right. Oh, my gosh. And this is the unpaid gender yes. work gap. And you know what? It gets worse at, at points. I've always said I'll feel like we've reached also true equality, one, when we're financially equal with men. But two, when my husband wakes up in the middle of the night worried because, you know, it's two minutes before our daughter's curfew and she's not home. I mean, that man sleeps like a log. I'm pitting out over this stuff. Um, here's, here's my best advice to you. And your kids are young, so you can start this early. In my home, we have a joke, and the, but it's not a joke. And the joke is that I am a mediocre mother at best. That is all they can expect from me. That's a good day. And that if I'm 15 minutes late for the school play, nobody's dying, nobody's starving, that mom, here she goes again. We laugh about it. If I get lunch, I get lunch on the table and it's generally nutritious, good day. What's underlying that for me, Poppy, is that rather than my work being all about work-life balance and this perfection we yeah. look for, yeah. the, the thing that I'm trying to model for our kids is what is mom doing outside of the home that's making the world a better place? Mm. What impact is mom having? And of course, as I start, have started Elevest and trying to close that gender investing gap, I've talked to my kids about that. The other thing I've always found to be useful, we mentioned earlier, I got fired for returning client funds. The question I always ask myself when I face a tough decision is if my children were standing in this room, would they be proud of the decision I made? That's how you make business decisions. That's how I make business decisions. And it just clears the whole thing away. Would my kids be proud of me? Which is why you made that decision at City. A lot of people said, don't do it. And I loved my job. Right. I loved it. But if my, did my, would I want my kids to see me backing down from what I thought was an ethical choice? I wouldn't. Look, when it all shakes out, you want to be on the side of the angels, right, in any of these decisions. I know. Paid parental leave. It's getting talked about more, not just maternity leave, family leave, paternity leave. Look, I mean, we'll likely see some action in Washington on this. You have bipartisan so. support. Why does it matter for women to actually get the equality that we deserve in pay? Yes. Why does this need to change? Well, it gets us back into the workforce. If we don't have parental leave, maternal, maternal leave to start with, but parental leave, we drop out of the workforce. You've had children. I've had children. It is hard as you know what. And for those companies, I think only 20% of companies in this country have maternal leave. And if you're stitching together sick days and vacation days and you have to come back days after you have a child, you're much more likely to drop out of the workforce. That is despite new research that shows that maternal leaves pay for themselves in the first year. Well, yeah, you have to pay for the woman to go on leave, but she comes back, yeah. so you don't have to replace her and you don't have to train her replacement. She, at the same time, continues to earn, invest in her 401k, 
that er those earnings go into our economy, not just then, but for years to come. It helps to close our retirement savings gap, which is a woman's issue. So what would your message be to the administration? We know Ivanka Trump uh, is really taking the, the lead on this in her father's administration. Right. You know, before something gets crafted in Washington, what's your message to the administration? Go do it. Do it. Um, I would make it a priority, I think, particularly because this president government funded. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I and I think it's an we think of it as an investment not as an expense. The problem is we've thought of it as those pesky women and those pesky babies looking for a handout. I would frame this as an investment in closing the retirement savings gap. Because again, think about it. When we thought about that $13 trillion retirement savings gap we have, we always think about tax increases and entitlement cuts. If we can get more money in the pockets of women so that they're investing in the 401k and, and contributing to social security, yeah we can make a big dent. If we close the gender pay gap, we close the retirement savings gap by one third. Anne-Marie Slaughter makes the argument in her book, Unfinished Business, that until society values care as much as work in the office, and I don't just mean care of a child, I mean care of an elderly parent, et cetera, then we'll never reach the equality that is needed. Do you agree that society undervalues care? Well, absolutely it does, absolutely it does. I take a different path. Coming from Wall Street, I said, we need more money, <laughs> right? So I to think, help get care, to, I, I can't do what I do without my nanny. Absolutely, right? and I hope you never have any health issues with your children, but I had and did, and when that happens, you, you, you have to step out. And what's so unfortunate and unfair is that somehow our business culture today translates that as, well, they're not ambitious, right? You, you but, know, that, but watch out, we can't get too ambitious. Oh, I know. We got to stay on our, we got to stay in that little little area. We have, this is where we need a courageous conversation. It's good to have ambitious women. So uh, there have been other countries, Germany's one example, who have mandated uh, a certain amount of women on boards, quotas, basically. Do we need that in the United States or is that a dangerous, uh, you know, a, a dangerous path to go down? It's a great question and I don't know the answer to it. I want to sit here today and say, no, we don't, and let's let this play itself out. The way it's playing itself out today is that we are decades and decades away from gender parity on boards, decades and decades. And the reason it matters is not just because of fairness, which matters, but because companies that have more women on boards perform better. Of course. And Every so they're more earnings. More, you know, the economy grows, right? Businesses are better. I mean, again, we can think about, geez, if those Wall Street firms had had more women, we intuitively know the crisis wouldn't have been as bad. So I'm not all the way to quotas yet. Okay. But I may get there before I die. <laughs> Final question. You like to quote Rihanna. Work, 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 right? <laughs> she says it a little bit more eloquently. For women out there coming up, right. and they look at you and they, their eyes are wide, what do you say to them? What would you have done differently? and what are you most proud of that you've done that you would advise them to do? So I would say work, 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 that I have found with all the ups and downs I've had that there is a high correlation, not every day, not every year, between hard work and success. And that if you're working hard and you got your head up a little bit, you're not just at your desk, but you know people in your industry, yeah. You're keeping up with the trends. You're sharing advice and information with folks. So you're sort of out there. I've found good things happen. 
The other thing I would say is that somehow in our country, we have this view of, I started here, and then I had this issue here, my boss, da, 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 and I was successful. So you know, my career, eh, I flatlined through my 20s, I was totally lost. My 30s, I went vertical. My 40s, I, I sort of, and then boom, I got fired. And then I got back up, right? And then I was at the top of my industry, and then I got reorged out. And then now I'm an entrepreneur, and so I think it's gonna look more like this. And so I say, failure is not fatal. I mean, when I got fired, I can't tell you how many people, and women, are you gonna move back to Charleston, South Carolina? <laughs> Which I love, I love my hometown. I love my hometown, I'm like, hell, I'm not moving back. I'm like, come on, right? <laughs> You're like, not running away. I'm a weeble, and I'm gonna pop back up and do something that matters. And, and so I would say there, there are so many more ways to be successful today for professional women than there were when I was younger. It's not work at a big company or not, right? It's that or go to another great company or start your own thing or build a non-traditional On that career. point, I, I read about your, your negotiations with Sandy Wiles. Sandy Wiles. All right. The master so, negotiator. Yeah, sure. And you did pretty well in that oh negotiation. Oh, my gosh. Um, did you ever get lowballed? Oh, yeah. When San so turn back the clock. Um, we are in a, a, the first financial crisis. So we're in the research scandal post the NASDAQ big decline. I was running Sanford Bernstein. We were the company that got out of the conflicted investment banking business. This was a business everyone was in, really hurt the big banks. My, cover, my mug was on the cover of Fortune Magazine as the yes. last honest analyst. And Sandy comes to me and says, I want, you to, um, I want you to run our research business. I want you to run Smith Barney. And he offered me about what I was making for managing 286 people to manage, I, I don't remember the number, 30,000. And um, I was like, I don't think that feels right to me. <laughs> and I, I said to Sandy, Sandy, I would love this job, but you've, you've lowballed me. And it is this much more responsibility, this much more visibility. And P.S., you need me. And he came back, and I, I can't remember. It was like tripled the offer. It wasn't. We went up ten percent. Oh, I I called him right out. I called him right out. And what I did with it was I, you know, I wasn't. I didn't try to play a game and and put up an offer and you know all this stuff, all this Machiavellian back and forth. I was just flat out honest, honest. with him and said, I just I'm not going to do this for the same amount of money. Sally Krawcheck, congratulations Thank on everything, you. the failures and the highs. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Poppy, thank you I for appreciate having me. It. Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Boss Files. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Poppy Harlow CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.